Have you ever hated someone? And I mean, really hated them. Did you hate them enough to kill them? Well, probably not. Might have felt like you hated them that much, but even if you did hate them that much, even if you did kill them, would you still be offered forgiveness? Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. We do this by using true life stories of real people. Just a heads up, this episode contains content that may not be appropriate for our younger listeners. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the story of a man whose hatred overwhelmed him and threw his life into chaos, causing him to wonder if he could ever be forgiven. All in this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later we are going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for an exciting prize. But first, let's get to it, folks. It's the second part of the true story of Ernie Scott. Last time on Unshackled... Good thing you wore your tall boots. You'll need them. Fields are dry. We haven't had any rain in weeks. He plants in remote areas like high ground in the middle of a swamp. It's never just one field. Too easy to be spotted by the cops. It'll take the whole weekend to harvest these plants. So, how much is the boss paying you? Six grand. It's a lot more than I expected. You know how much he'll make from us harvesting this marijuana crop? 600K at least. You and I do all the grunt work, and we each get 1%. Why am I not surprised? He gets fat, and all we get are the crumbs. We're not the only ones. He's cheated a dozen friends of mine, stolen their businesses right from under them, you included. Sorry I ever introduced you to him. He didn't know what he was like. He fooled everybody. I've never hated anyone as much as I hate that man. One of these days, someone's gonna put a bullet through that stupid smile of his. Yeah, somebody needs to do it. And the sooner the better. Could you pull the trigger? Me? Yeah. You got enough guts to shoot him? I don't know, maybe. Could you do it? Yeah, I'd do it. I'd do it in a heartbeat. If I had a gun. I, uh, got a gun in my office. Let me know if you ever want it. Okay. How about tomorrow night, after we get paid? Why not? I'm tired of him bossing me around. I'll pick you up after dark. This place there. It looks like he's not home. He will be. This way you'll have to drop on him when he does get here. Ambush. I like it. You gun loaded? Yeah. Five bullets. I double checked. We only need one. All right. Just remember the trigger pull is light. Got it. And do not drop my gun after. Keep it with you. All right. Do you want to do it? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Don't get rattled. I go down, you go down. Yeah, yeah. And tonight. That greedy fool is going down. Nice and easy, Steve. If you try to kill the king, you best not miss. You're home late. Steve? What are you doing in my... What is that, a gun? <laughs> you ain't got this.
Our actions always have consequences. Sometimes those consequences are good, and sometimes they are far worse than we could ever imagine. We may think we can hide the wrong things we do, but in the end, the truth always comes out, as it does in this story. We now bring you part two and the conclusion in the true testimony of Ernie Scott, right now on Unshackled. You seen the news? Yeah, it's on all the channels. Reporters are saying it was a house robbery that went bad. We keep to our story, right? Yep. We played cards at your house, drank some beers, and I went home around midnight. Whatever you do, stick to the story and don't change any details. What do you say if the cops come around? Um, I'll tell them that I hated the man, and I hope they never catch the guy that shot him. The next morning, a state police investigator came to my house and told me that they believed I was involved in the murder. All I could do was deny it, and he eventually left. Once he was gone, the guilt over what I had done began to gnaw at me. For weeks, I tried to act normal around my wife, but she saw right through me. Ernie, you've got to tell me what's wrong. Nothing's wrong! Yes, there is! And I want to know what it is. Ever since Bob's murder, you've been a different person. You hardly talk at mealtime. If we go to a movie, you never seem to enjoy it. Tell me what's going on. Nothing. Just leave me alone. I think you're afraid. Afraid of whoever killed Bob might want to do the same to you. Is that it? We should call the police and see if they I can... told you nothing's wrong with me. I'm just tired, that's all. Okay. Okay. I'll stop asking questions. But I'm worried about you. I'll be okay. The guys and I are going hunting this weekend. Maybe the fresh air will do me some good. It'll give me time to think. I just, I just need some time alone. We avoided each other the rest of the week while I packed for the trip. When I arrived at the hunting camp, it dawned on me that every one of us there had some connection to the guy that was murdered. He had cheated and stolen from all of us one way or another. We put on our camo gear and hats with the obligatory orange patches and spread out in the woods. I loaded shotguns at the ready. I was walking through the woods when I heard a gun go off near me. Before I could turn my head to see who had fired it, I was falling to the ground. Neck wound still bleeding. Give him another bag of fluids. Hang in there, Ernie. Nobody dies today, not on my watch. Just a couple more stitches to go. Okay, looks like this guy's gonna make it. Give him some propofol so he doesn't move around and rip these sutures out. Doris Scott? Yes. I'm Detective Williams. I was hoping you were the surgeon. I just spoke to him. Your husband's going to be okay. They'll keep him in medically induced coma for three or four days, give his wounds time to heal. You said wounds? The slug ricocheted off a tree, entered through his right shoulder, and came out the center of his neck. Oh, no! Doc said he'll be sore for some time, but he'll recover. Dora, can you tell me why someone might want to shoot your husband? I thought it was a hunting accident. Maybe it was. It just seems odd that only four months ago his business partner was shot, and now your husband gets shot too? I'm just trying to put all the pieces together. Everybody likes my husband. Why would anyone hurt him? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Later when the cop interviewed me, I stayed mum about Bob's shooting. When he asked me why the hunting accident happened, I just laughed and said I didn't know. Maybe God was mad at me. And when he asked me why God would be mad at me, I just shook my head like I didn't know. After I was released from the hospital, I spent months in physical therapy. I don't know what bothered me more, 
my shoulder, or my guilt about killing my business partner. Three years later, my shoulder was still bothering me. Every time I lifted my arm for any amount of time, it became numb. My doctor recommended that I have a dye scan to determine how much scar tissue there was. Halfway through the test, my heart went into cardiac arrest. They performed CPR and rushed me into surgery for a quadruple bypass. Laying in a hospital bed gave me even more time to wonder if God could ever forgive me for what I had done. It did feel like he was angry with me. And to be honest, he had every right to be. Hey, sleepyhead. You feeling any better? I'll be glad when these last stitches come out. I still think you went back to work too soon. Sitting around all day was driving me crazy. You see my coffee cup? By the sink. You were talking in your sleep again. What'd I say? You know, the usual. Don't shoot. Where's my gun? That's all? I hope you never go hunting again. Uh-huh. Hey, did I hear voices earlier? Oh, repairman was here. Said all the phone lines on our streets are being upgraded. How about some scrambled eggs this morning? Our phone worked fine. What do you look like? He looked like a repairman. He knocked on the door, came in, worked on our phone, and said he was off to the next house. I swear, Ernie, you don't trust anybody anymore. She was right. I didn't trust anyone. Not even myself. I was becoming paranoid about everything. Even the phone line. Were the police listening to everything we said? I pushed it out of my mind and thought about the trip I needed to take. A bunch of us kept growing marijuana after Bob was killed, and every fall we divided the crop equally among us. I found a buyer in Massachusetts who was willing to buy all of my share. I told Dora I needed to make a quick overnight trip to deliver some old engine parts. She made me promise I wouldn't lift anything heavy and to be careful. The next morning, I drove to work and loaded marijuana bricks under the back seat of my small motor home and headed out. When I reached Lake Placid, I drove around the village on a back road. All of a sudden, a car pulled out in front of me and I slammed on the brakes. I checked my rearview mirror to make sure I wasn't about to be rear-ended and saw three cars behind me. When I looked back at the first car, I could see that men were already out of it. And every one of them had their gun pointed at me. Folks, we'll get back to Ernie's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 73rd year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we are able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there is one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check to Unshackled and mail it to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to the true story of Ernie Scott. You can take his handcuffs off. He's not going anywhere. Thanks. Your stitch is okay? 
You need any medical attention? Uh, fine. How did you know about the... We know about the surgery. And other things. Ernie, you're being charged with possession of marijuana with intent to sell. Had you crossed the state line, you would have been charged with a federal offense. But we'd rather you stay in our custody. Yeah, that's what the other cop told me. You know, I didn't appreciate him taking my wife's photo out of my wallet making fun of her appearance. Trying to get me angry so I'd tell him whatever he wanted. I don't go for that bad cop, good cop routine. Your wife is a lovely woman. I met her years ago when you had your hunting accident. And I'm sure she's very concerned about what's happening at your home right now. What do you mean? Right now, there are 15 officers at your house and business looking for evidence. Why? You found what you wanted under the seat in my motorhome. Not exactly. Here's what I'm looking for. I'll drop all the marijuana charges if you give me something else. What? Tell me everything you know about Bob's murder and who pulled the trigger. I want to see my lawyer. Now! I used my business as collateral and made bail the next day. Dora was beside herself with worry about what I'd gotten myself into. I'd never said an honest prayer in my whole life, but man, was I asking for God's help that day. I called my business lawyer and he agreed to meet me in my house that evening. Thanks for coming. You want some coffee? Uh, no. No thanks. Uh, it's better if we meet in my car. Why don't you walk with me? What's going on? Well, there's a good chance your phones are bugged. I don't want to take a chance of anyone hearing our conversation. So, uh, why did you ask me out here? I'm not sure where to start. Is it about Bob's murder? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And before you talk to the DA, I want to call my sons and let them know what I did. I don't want them to learn about it in the newspaper. Anything else? Yeah. I need to tell Dora what I've done. She doesn't know. Okay. Now tell me what happened. Early the next morning, my lawyer called and informed me that the state police had watched the two of us sit in his car for over two hours. They also told him that they had been monitoring Steve's phones and had learned that he was going to attain a handgun to kill both me and Dora so we couldn't testify against him. They instructed my lawyer to pick me up immediately and bring me before the grand jury to testify. One hour later, we stepped into the courthouse and were ushered into a large room. It was filled with criminal investigators who had been probing Bob's murder and criminal enterprises for the past four years. Mr. Scott, thank you for appearing. You're aware that your co-defendant has indicated his intention to harm you and your wife to prevent your testimony. Yes, ma'am. But she knew nothing about what I did until I told her last night. Well, we'll provide protection for both of you until such time the co-defendant is located. Thank you. What do you want to tell me and these witnesses? I'm willing to confess the part I played in Bob's murder. If what you tell us is truthful, I will speak to the judge on your behalf and recommend second-degree murder instead of murder one. Are you ready to answer the questions we ask you truthfully? Yes. I'm ready to tell the truth. Mr. Scott, did you provide the gun and drive the co-defendant to the location where the crime was committed? Yes. Did you pull the trigger? Did you shoot your business partner? No, I did not. For nearly 12 hours, I answered questions from people in the room, filling in all the gaps of what they knew. For the next three days, there was 24-hour police protection in our home. The strange part was that they acted like normal people around my wife and I. They were just doing their job and showed us kindness. 
On the morning of the fourth day, Steve turned himself in and confessed that I had committed the murder with the help of my oldest son. I was furious when I heard what he told them. But the investigators told me not to worry. There was enough physical evidence to prove he was lying. Because I pleaded guilty, my trial didn't last long. I was sentenced to 15 years in prison for second-degree manslaughter. You look good, Ernie. So do you. Sorry we have to look at each other through this plexiglass. Sorry for everything. I forgive you. <laughs> you keep telling me that. You made a mistake. A big one. But we'll get through this. Listen, Dora. You don't have to drive up here every weekend. It's three hours each way. It's okay if you don't want to make that long trip. Hey, mister. When we took those wedding vows, it was for better or for worse, remember? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. You didn't bargain on this. How are the boys? They're still mad at you. Who can blame them? Well, give them time, Ernie. So, have you made any new friends here? Yeah. Yeah, a few. Mostly veterans like me. <laughs> well, that's good. One of the guards told me how nice the chapel services are. You should go to one of them. God and me aren't on the best terms. I've broken of his commandments, remember? So Jesus died for everyone in the world except my husband? Is that what you're telling me? You find religion or something? A little. I've been reading the Bible at nights. It's good. Yeah, it is good. You know what I think your problem is? You haven't forgiven yourself. Not sure I ever will. Go talk to the chaplain. Let him help you figure this all out. Sorry, ma'am. Time's up. I'll see you next week. I'll be here. It took me nine months before I stepped into a chapel service. I got there early so I could sit in the back row. I felt like I didn't belong. Yet something kept tugging at me to go back the next week and the week after that. I kept hearing men share testimonies about what God had done in their life, despite the horrible things they had done. A few of the guys didn't belong in prison because people had lied about what they did or a bad cop had forced their confession. Yet they talked about how God helped them forgive and how they trusted that somehow, some way, God would restore their lives. Every time I went in that room, God chipped another piece of my pride away. Jesus made it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, washed in white and snow. Thank you, men. You may be seated. Now, some of you may be wondering, if Jesus paid it all, what am I doing here in prison? <laughs> well, most of you are here because your actions had consequences. When you, or I, choose to sin, we choose to suffer. But God, in his mercy towards us, says, even though your body may be confined to these walls, I came to deliver your heart from eternal punishment. Amen. The truth is, there are people outside these walls walking around feeling like they are free to do whatever they want. But the reality is they're a slave to sin. 
They just haven't been caught yet. <laughs> but the day is coming when every man, woman, and child will stand before the judgment throne of God and give an account for the life they've lived. And no matter what horrible things they did, or even what wonderful things they did do, their eternity will depend on whether or not they repented of their sins, believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and began the lifelong journey of dying to themselves and living first and foremost for God. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. In just a moment, we're going to take communion together. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said to his disciples, this is my body, which has been broken for you. He didn't say it was just for good people who got cleaned up first. He said, this is my body, which was broken for, whisper your name right now. That's right. That's right. Jesus said his body was broken for you. And he also said, this is my blood, which was shed for who? That's right, for you. His grace and love is more than any of us deserve, but he gives it freely to all who ask for it. For God so loved the world, that's each and every one of us, that he sent his only begotten son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him, that's anyone who believes, no matter what you've done, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Living in the presence and majesty of our creator forever. If you're ready to receive his forgiveness, just bow your head and talk to him right now. Just you and God. God, it's me, Ernie. I've made a big mess in my life, and I need your help. I may not have pulled the trigger, but I sure murdered that man in my heart. I've done so many terrible things, God. But Chaplin says you're ready to forgive me and give me hope for my future. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins and receive your grace. I want to live for you, Lord. smiling. I can't remember the last time I saw you smile. I'm a different man since the last time you were here. I finally asked God to forgive me and he did. I never realized he could love a stubborn old marine like me, but he does. Hey, hey, don't cry, don't cry. These are happy tears. I'm crying because he answered my prayer. I still have to serve out my sentence, but for the first time in my life I feel free. You know? I do. I can see it in your eyes. Oh, the chaplain gave me a Bible. I'm reading it from cover to cover. Some of it doesn't make sense yet. It's like Jesus is woven all the way through it from Genesis to Revelation. And there's stories about all these guys and I think, wow, they were a knucklehead just like me. <laughs> You're a changed man, Mr. Scott. We're gonna get through this together. We will. With God's help, we will.
I read the entire Bible that first year and every Christian book I could get my hands on. As a prisoner, I had work duty every day, and the assignments rotated every two years. The chaplain asked me to be his assistant, and I learned even more about God and grace and how each of us are born with a purpose. I didn't realize it at first, but other prisoners were watching me to see if I walked the talk. One day during lunch break, I stayed back in my bunk listening to one of my favorite radio programs. Hey, can I talk to you? Sure. Here, let me turn my radio down. I haven't met you before. I'm Ernie. Marcus. I see... I see you always reading that Bible of yours. Yeah, can't get enough of it. God keeps talking to me through all these stories. I think God's been trying to talk to me too, you know? But I'm not sure how to talk to you about it. Just tell me what you've been thinking. Oh, that ain't it, man. You see... I ain't never talked to no white dude before. I'm sure you have. Just talk to me like you, um... No, man. You're the first white man I ever had a real conversation with. I mean, real. There was this white guy who ran a liquor store in my hood, but me and him never talked outside of here's your change or can you break a 20. Before I came here, I never traveled more than five blocks in any direction. Just feels awkward talking to you. That's all. Marcus, our skin may look different, our experiences may be different, but you and me were both made in the image of God with a hole in our heart that only God can fill. I don't know. I've made some mistakes, man. It scares me that I keep doing them and, and end up back here. I really messed up. I mean, can God really forgive me? Can he really help me change? Yeah, he can. Let me tell you what he did for me. Listening friend, God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. And if you believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, there is nothing you have ever done that can't be forgiven. That's how powerful God's grace is. Are you ready to surrender your life to Jesus and start anew, just like Ernie did? If you need help in making this crucial decision, we encourage you to call 1-888-NEED-HIM or you can get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org. Or you can leave us a message at 312-281-1264. Now, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. It really helps us out. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, the prize for the sweepstakes contest is yet another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. The verse on this one is 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, and 6, which reads, The day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. 
Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. This plaque is beautiful, folks, and it would make a great everyday reminder of God's perfect promises. Unfortunately, we are only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. That's your name, your phone number, and email. The deadline to enter the drawing will be December 2nd, and we will announce the winner on December 18th just in time to be a great Christmas gift. We look forward to hearing from you. And next time... Here comes Debbie! Here comes Debbie! Look, look at her! Look at her! Oh, that dress must be her mother's! Oh, and those shoes! Oh, those shoes look like boats! Where's the blood, Debbie? Unable to fit in at school, Debbie struggled to feel like she belonged. How are you feeling today, Debbie? Oh, full of hate. Want to talk about it? You know what my favorite pastime is? I'd like to know. I like to sit in total darkness and hate all the people around me for what they did to me. A feeling that was only compounded when, after her mother passed away, her father put her up for adoption. Do you blame your mother for leaving you? I don't know, maybe. Sometimes I talk to her, out loud, as if she's right there in the room with me. But she's not there. No. Then I cry, where's my mommy? Where can she be? Would she ever recover from the trauma? Find out in Debbie Stilly's classic true story of overcoming that heartache, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in part two of the true story of Ernie Walter Scott were Patrick Thompson, Tricia Grennan, Demetrius Troy, Michael Torrey, and Chuck McLennan. Original music, Caleb Tollison. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Audio engineer, David Pierczynski. Script, Scott Kirk. Well, that's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>